please turn with me this evening to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honour. My friends, we're looking at a few verses from this chapter. Uh, first uh, seven verses, God willing. And my subject is foolish living. Foolish living. Now, friends, it's not my purpose to insult you in any degree. Uh, that wouldn't be a good way to start a sermon. And uh, my purpose is not to insult, but to win you. If I can, by the words that we preach to you, to win you to Christ, to persuade you to believe in the Saviour, persuade you to come to Him, to persuade you that the best life that you can live is the life that's lived for God in Christ. And so when I use the word fools, I'm not using it in any way, in a derogatory way, or to in any way is it my intention to belittle you and put anyone down, far from it. I'm using the word fool as the Bible uses it. And the Bible says, really, a fool is a person uh, who doesn't, uh, doesn't in his heart believe that there is a God. And he lives his life in that kind of a way, as if all there is to life is this world, this material world. Everything has a, a reason, a human reason for it. Everything is natural. There is no creator, there is no maker, there is no afterlife. This world is all that there is, and after that, that's it. You die and you perish, that's the end of your life. It's a foolish thing, the Bible says, to leave God out of your life, to exempt yourself from a relationship with God, which is what God offers to us in Christ, to sideline Christ and to say, I'll have nothing to do with that man. True, deep and lasting happiness which we all seek after. That's what we all want. We want to be happy in life. Well, we can only find our happiness, true happiness, genuine happiness, deep happiness in knowing a God. To run from it, to run from the Lord, for our friends, the Bible says that's a foolish choice to make. It's a foolish decision. It doesn't make any sense at all because you're running away from uh, your happiness. You're running away from the best life that you could live in this world. It's unreasonable uh, to, so, uh, to so act. True wisdom, friends, is in seeking the Lord until you find Him. True wisdom is, in li is living with eternity in mind. It's knowing that there is an afterlife. In true wisdom says this world is only temporary. It's only passing. It's vanity, really. It's, its pleasures cannot satisfy me truly. True wisdom begins when we take God seriously, when we begin to listen with both our ears to what He is saying to us in His Word. And friends, this is what Solomon is emphasizing in this book of Ecclesiastes, uh, that uh, we should uh, take, uh, be wise people and uh, pay attention to what God says and to live for Him. And He should know. 
Solomon should know because he above all people tried everything that there was to know in the world. There's nothing that he exempted himself from. He went from one earthly pleasure to another. And at the end of it, uh, he had to say, all is vanity. He plunged in himself into the world as much as he could, and at the end, he had to come back. He said, it's all empty. It's all unsatisfying. And he found nothing in it. But in a relationship with God, it's a different story. Well, let me just bring out some of the, his points, uh, really, which he mentions. It's his observations from life put into this poetic form, and uh, we can just, I've got five things uh, to draw out from these uh, verses. And the first one is here in verse one. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. And the picture here is of uh, a chemist, an apothecary, and he's preparing uh, his, his perfume. This is really expensive perfume in those days, and a uh, perfume that would be used in, uh, to keep uh, the, the body, uh, to anoint the body. It would be used as a preservation of health and a relief when people were ill. It had all these different uses, but it was really expensive. It, was, it wasn't just perfume you just buy off the shelf and, as such. It was uh, the wealthy sought after it, and of course it gave forth a lovely fragrance. But it seems on this occasion that the chemist has, has been somewhat negligent and he's left perhaps the cover, uh, uh, the, the, the container uncovered, the, the lids off, and a, a dead fly or two has dropped into uh, this perfume and it's uh, decomposed and putrefied. And as a result of that, the, fly, the, the perfume, which was once so sweet-smelling, is now a stinking savour as it says here. A little thing has affected it. A little thing has affected the whole perfume and destroyed it. It's become unusable. And uh, here Solomon says, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and uh, honor. And the lesson for us, friends, is that one sin can ruin us. One sin is enough uh, to ruin us. We think of ourselves, usually we have a good opinion of ourselves. Usually we think we are good people. We tell others we have a good heart at the bottom of it, in, in spite of our, a few faults and failings. We are good people, and we want other people to think of us uh, in this good way. It's important what others, uh, how others look at us. But then something happens, something out of the blue, something unexpected, and we do something foolish, and we, uh, we're then seen in a different light. Perhaps we lose our, our temper with our neighbor over something very, very trivial, and that neighbor that you've been so good to suddenly sees you in a different way. We get drunk at the office party, and or perhaps worse still, you are unfaithful uh, to your spouse. And in a moment, this one sin yeah, has ruined you, and your reputation is gone out of the window. And people who know what you've done, well, they won't remember the good things, really. They won't remember all the good things that you've done. They'll remember that one thing that you did wrong, and they will, that one indiscretion. One sin 
can ruin us. That's what Solomon is saying. You know, there was a technology, technology guru. He's uh, no longer here in this, uh, this, in this world. But when he was here, he was a very, very successful man, very intelligent, innovative guy, came up with products that are still used all around the world today, brilliant in so many ways. And uh, he was able to get things going. He had, he had certain traits which are very good, self-willed, focused, creative. There's much to admire about him. But then his autobiography came out. Or his biography, I should say. And uh, there you learned a different side of the man. And you found out, well, that he was really an impatient person. And he was a petulant person. And he was a person who was very rough with his colleagues. And people now, alongside his achievements, they remember him for these things. One sin ruins uh, his reputation. And then this week I was reading about uh, a, a popular TV presenter, not a current one, but an old TV presenter. And uh, he was a rather good-looking chap and a very, by all appearances, a very sincere guy. He himself described himself as a very bland guy, but for some reason that appealed to people, his blandness. And he, he seemed to come through as a very nice person. But uh, behind the scenes, it was different. He himself said he, he couldn't stay in a marriage for long. And he had three, went through three wives, three marriages. And then when he was with his third wife, he was caught by the tabloids uh, committing adultery with somebody else, unfaithful to his wife. And the public perception of this outwardly good man changed. He himself said, Oh, it's a flaw in my personality. One sin, friends, is enough to ruin us. One sin, what about us? Well, one sin can ruin uh, us. It may be our pride. It may be selfishness. It may be covetousness. It may be uncleanness. But one sin is enough to ruin us and to ruin our lives completely. We need salvation. We need to be saved from our sins. We need a saviour. This is, this is teaching us. We need the forgiveness of God. But then secondly, we come to verse 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Now, if you're right-handed, as I am, you'll use your right hand for the, the difficult tasks. It's quite normal and natural for you to use your right hand that's what a wise man does. That's what a normal person does. You write with your right hand. Uh, you open your do a door with your right hand. Uh, you use an electric drill with your right hand or a saw with your right hand because that's your stronger hand. That's your best hand. Uh, if you're playing tennis, you'd hold the racket in your right hand. Uh, it's your comfortable hand. It's the one that you're, you're, you're best and much stronger uh, then your left hand. I don't know how that happens, why we're not born with two strong arms. Uh, but some people are ambidextrous, but most of us, it's either the left hand or the right hand. Then how foolish would it be, isn't it, for a person to switch hands and put, uh, start using his weaker left hand to do those things which his right hand usually does. And he's, he begins to write with his left hand 
Or he begins to use a, a sword with his left hand. And that will mess everything up, isn't it, that he's trying to make? If he's trying to drill a hole with his left hand, his electric drill, well, that, that will go all over the place. He won't get a straight uh, cut in the, in the, in the wall. And uh, it's a foolish thing uh, to, to so do and to so uh, uh, use uh, his left hand. It's laughable, uh, really. And here, that's what Solomon is saying, a, f a fool's heart is at uh, his left. And what he's saying is to, uh, the strong way for a person to live their life is to live in dependence on God. The strong way for a person to live their life is to live uh, depending on Christ. But the fool says, no. The fool says, I don't need God. I can manage perfectly well without God. I don't need a relationship with Him. I can manage the, all things that uh, come my way. I can deal with the problems. I can deal with the challenges. I can deal with the troubles that come in life. I don't need to pray. I don't need to seek the Lord. I don't need to go outside of myself. I believe in myself. I am able to manage all things. I'm strong. I don't need guidance from God. I don't need forgiveness from God. I don't need God's help, these people say. He's self-confident. He's independent and uh, believes uh, in himself. He believes he can make it on his own. But friends, that's not how God intended us to live our lives, depending on ourselves. That's the weaker way to live life. It's not the strong point. It doesn't make you a grand person that you can say, I'm able to live life without God. Oh, in God's eyes, friends, we are fools. We are fools because we're living a weaker life. But to live a life in dependence on God, trusting Him, looking to Him for all our needs, looking to Him for salvation, is the life that is a stronger one. Without God, we live a life below par. Well, thirdly, in verse 3, Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. This is another kind of fool. We could say he is a, a simpleton. Uh, and this verse is teaching us how God sees us when we live life without him. Now, it's not, again, being derogatory to people who are uh, simple in life, but this is a person, uh, a foolish person, uh, whose folly is obvious and visible to everyone. Look at it. When he that is a fool walketh by the way, when he's on the road, his wisdom fails him, and everyone that sees him says, well, he's a fool, because of the way outwardly that he's walking. He's walking down the street, perhaps, and he crosses over the street, then he crosses back over the road again, and then back again, and then he's walking down the road, and he's looking intently at all, gazing, perhaps, at all the people who are passing by, uh, grinning at them. So, so unusual for him to do. Giggling at people. He, he picks up trivial things on, on the ground, from the dustbin, and he looks at that, he examines it, it's, 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 as, it's as, as if he has found something tremendous, as if he has made a great discovery, but it's nothing that he's discovered. He's an adult, 
but he's, uh, something's wrong with him and he's walking in this foolish way. That's the picture here in mind. But friends, that's how a God uh, sees us. When we fail to take, uh, when we, sorry, when all we take seriously is material things, when all we take seriously is this world and its earthly pleasures, when we fail to make any effort to understand well, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Why did God place me here? How can I come to know the Lord? How can I know forgiveness in my soul? How can I prepare myself for the day of judgment? I'm not thinking about these things. We're just thinking about the everyday things around us. There's no depth to us. Perhaps all we're involved in uh, is trivial things in life. Social media perhaps plays a big role in us. And we go from one social media platform to another in our spare time. And that's, that's what makes up, makes up our, so much of our lives. We go through life neglecting our most prized possession, our souls. We have nothing more valuable than our souls, but we're neglecting it. And God looks at us and sees us in this way and says, we're a fool. Foolish to live in this kind of way without thinking about the serious things. You remember that parable that Christ taught? The parable about the rich man and uh, his barns increased and he got more and more material possessions. And uh, he, had, he, he said to himself, I'm going to take it easy now. Soul, take thine ease and rest. And what did God say to him? Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. All he was thinking of was his future plans, his retirement plans perhaps in this world, what he's going to do tomorrow and the next few years. He'd all got that all sorted out, but he'd made no plan for eternity. And so he was an unwise person to do that. Unaware perhaps of the spiritual dangers that we're in. It's a real possibility that we will fall into hell. To go through life thinking uh, uh, that at the end of it, everything is just going to be okay. Oh friends, this would be a simple way uh, to live life. Take God seriously. This is what it's calling us uh, to. And then uh, fourthly, in verse uh, 4, we see, If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place for yielding, pacifieth great offences. And uh, this is a picture of an offended king. A king that you've upset. You've done something seriously wrong. And he's reprimanded you. And he has every right to reprimand you because you're at fault. And you, you're gravely at fault. Well, how will you respond when he tells you off? When he corrects you? How will you respond? Will you say, will you rise up in disgust and say, oh, he shouldn't speak to me like that. He hasn't got any manners, this king. Will you feel hurt? Will you feel upset? Will you feel so sorry and feel aggrieved and think, well, I don't have to listen for this. I'm just going to walk out. I'm going to stomp out of the king's presence. Is that the way when he reproves you? Well, here Solomon says, no. Leave not your place for yielding 
pacifieth great offences. Don't leave your place. Apologize to the king. Humble yourself before him. Acknowledge you've got things wrong. And more than likely, uh, he will uh, forgive you. Well, friends, this, is, this king here represents the Lord. This king represents God. How do you react when God tells you that you're a sinner? When God tells you that you have a sinful heart? When God tells you that unless you repent, you will go to hell? How does that affect you, friends? When the preacher speaks of pride and selfishness and rebellion against God as he must show the people their sins. And he tells you that these things are offensive to a holy God and God must punish these things. How do we respond? How do we uh, respond to such things? Do we get offended? Do we get hurt? Do we say, I'm not going to listen to this? Do we get angry with the preacher? Angry with God? Some people do. They get angry with God. I don't want to listen to this. And they walk away from God. Do we throw a tantrum and vehemently deny, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. I'm not a Hitler. I'm not Mussolini. I'm not one of these terrible people who commit serial crimes. No. The, the wise thing, friends, to do when God points out our sins to us. Yes, it's hard to accept it, but it's the truth about us. It's the truth about what we really are. The best thing uh, Solomon says here, the wisest thing to do is to yield and to acknowledge, Lord, everything that you are saying is true and right. Everything that you say is, uh, is absolutely true. I agree with what you are saying, Lord. I agree with what you say about my sin. You are the God of truth who cannot lie. You know me better than I know myself. And when you say these things to me, well, I need to listen and I need to acknowledge the truth of them and come to him and repentance, just like here. Acknowledge that you, you are a sinner. Acknowledge you need a forgiveness. Yield to him, friends. Yield to his voice. There is forgiveness with God uh, and he will uh, forgive you. That's why Christ came into the world. That's why Christ died on the cross, on Calvary's cross, in such great agony and pain. Why? To make a way for people to be forgiven. To make a way for sinners to be forgiven all their sin. Through his blood, his blood cleanses us from all sin and gives us a new heart and a new life. This is what Christ has done, friends. And it's tremendous uh, what, he, what, what he has achieved on the behalf of sinners. But then fifthly and finally, we see here in verses 5 uh, to 7, uh, this is something else that Solomon has observed. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. This is another king he is talking of. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking as servants upon the earth. This is an anomaly uh, in life, a great error which comes from this particular king. Uh, here is a king, and he's surrounding himself uh, with inept and inadequate uh, counselors. 
those who are not up to the roles that they have been assigned. He places them in high positions, but they're not able really to fill, they're not equipped to fill, they're not intelligent enough to fill those roles. They're not uh, intellectually capable of filling those roles. But they're promoted, this king promotes them to this position of authority and power where they can make decisions and where they can influence him as the king. Basically, you could say they are yes-men, those who are going to agree with everything that he says. That's what he wants. People who just agree with him. And those who ought to be in those high and powerful positions, well, they're left out in the cold. They're left out on the streets as they were, and they're given menial tasks to do. They're underused. The roles are reversed. Everything is upside down in this particular scenario. And it's a foolish thing for the king to do because he needs his best men and the best women to be around him. He needs those wise uh, advisors. He needs capable men. He needs intelligent men. He needs experienced people. Those who know what they're talking about. Those who can advise him in the right way. Those who will even tell him he's wrong. And uh, those who will sometimes be disagreeable with uh, his views and suggest to him better alternatives. He needs to be uh, surrounded by such people. It said uh, recently of a recent prime minister that we had, that when she formed her, her cabinet, well, she filled it with MPs who only agreed with her view of politics, with her ideas. Uh, many able and capable men were excluded from that cabinet. Now, what happened to her? Well, she didn't last very long. Perhaps that was part of her downfall. And she didn't, she didn't, list, she didn't have other people who advised her but oh, she surrounded herself with yes-men. Or oh, do we surround ourselves with yes-men as well? Or are we willing to listen to other people? Are we willing to listen, to give space to people who hold a different view uh, to us? And right, really what we're saying is, are we willing to listen to God? Or are we only willing to give space to those who hold the same view as us? Are we open to hearing what God says and thinks about us? Are we willing to listen uh, to him, to inquire when he tells us those disagreeable things? He tells us to humble ourselves before him. He tells us to ask him for mercy, for forgiveness, for a new life, for a new heart, for salvation. He tells us to live a life that is yielded to Christ. Am I willing to listen to him? Am I willing to hear that doesn't resonate with me? That doesn't align with my way of doing things? With my policy for life? No, no. Am I, I'm going to disregard these things. I'm going to reject it. I'm only going to adopt those, surround myself with those ideologies that are in line with my way of thinking. And that allow me to live like I like. And that allow me to live according to my lusts. Because I like those lusts and I want to fulfill those lusts. Is this the way that we live, friends? Well, that would be a very foolish thing to do. The wisest thing would be to surround ourselves with the Word of God. To be good listeners, even when He tells us things that are unpleasant uh, to us. But to hear 
what he is saying to us. Oh, friends, I urge you even this evening, in this uh, short message, come to the Saviour. Come to the Saviour. Make no delay. Life, live life as he meant you to live life, in dependence on him, knowing the Saviour, a spiritual life. Don't be a material person alone. Don't live for this passing world alone. The Bible tells us this world is passing away. This world will soon be destroyed. And then eternity will be ushered in. All those things that people heap up for themselves in this world will be gone, will be burned away. But those who have faith in Christ, those who have Christ as their Savior, they live forever. They will go on and uh, en enter into the joy that God has prepared for them in heaven and in glory. Live in this wise way, friends. Live in this strong way, and you'll know what a blessing it is to have God as your God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we ask that you'd once again come and teach us uh, these things that sometimes we lessons that we find so difficult to know and to grasp. Oh Lord, that life is to be lived for you, for your glory, and to live in dependence on you. Help us, we pray, and uh, instruct us by your Spirit. Give us help even by your Spirit to turn to you with all our hearts and with all our souls. And all oh, grant us the joy and the, the gladness of knowing the Saviour and knowing the forgiveness of all our sins and knowing peace with you. We ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's close by singing our final hymn, which is number 402. I thought that I was strong, Lord. 402.